Yes, it's a bye week, and we are still here. We're going to try to do, and it may hurt, it may be tough, but a little state of the program. Where is Auburn football coming out of the bye week? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerbean. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's Sunday. That means we are joined by Daryl Daprich, Montgomery Radio Vet. We said we weren't going to do it, and we just couldn't help ourselves. Daryl, coming out of the bye week, how should the Auburn fan feel right now? Wow, that's a great question. Um, first of all, it's it's uh, it's great doing one of these where there's not something that we're coming off of that you know we have to talk about that's negative or speculative. So this is kind of fun. Just kind no, of we're talking about the whole looking, season, which is exactly first. well, but but it's but it's it's kind of like a a looking forward and a looking back at the same sure. time. So it's a little yeah. bit different. I would say to answer your question, hope, hope is the word that I would that I would give to Auburn fans. Um, looking for for the rest of the season because here's why okay. you could say that if you were basing it on on the field performance alone there wouldn't be much hope right I mean you'd have to kind of take your moments where you could get them watching maybe Robbie Ashford improve watching Tank Bigsby run sure. some things happen that you just take your moments where you can get them but I'm speaking more of the off the field things that brighter days could be ahead could be coming ahead. There'll be some things that might be happening. Um, if, if, a, if a couple of recruits fall where they should may, wow, that's exciting as an Auburn fan to look at a recruiting class that might continue to climb the charts a little bit, add some guys that can help in recruiting because of NIL and, and, and some other things that are going on. Obviously, the, the emerging narrative of an athletic director being named, we're on the precipice of that. Don't know when that's going to happen. But um, you know, the an athletic director being chosen is is a bright new future for Auburn. Something to get excited about. And then, you know, obviously, if if, if direction it, like we all think is go, we're going to go in a different direction from a coaching standpoint. Sure. The, the hiring of a new coach with a new staff, all that brings some excitement. Yes. And some fresh, fresh takes. So that's what I would, if I was an Auburn fan, that's what I would look for for the second half of the season. And then try to see if your team. And these kids that haven't quit and haven't given up on Coach Harson, the ones that are really, really battling, see if they can make some headway, if they can sit, show improvement, make some plays, give you a flash or a sneak peek of things to look forward to down the road. Yeah, and, and I think what happens this weekend against Arkansas is going to be very telling. Once again, I haven't shied away this past week thinking that Auburn can beat Arkansas. And in fact, as of right now, I think I'm going to pick Auburn to beat Arkansas. We'll see what happens closer to game time. But if they don't, and then they lose at Mississippi State, I just, I guess my worst fear for this season is just we all sit around and think, okay, when's basketball start? Okay, when's this season going to end so we can finally move forward as a program and make the decisions that need to be made? Because, man, Auburn has really drugged their feet with his AD decision. But still, I don't know if it really matters with the timing of everything. But still, it's just just kind of feels, Daryl, that we're just sitting around 
and waiting. Semi-symbolic of the bye week is yesterday we were just sitting around watching other teams play. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about it. But if you beat Arkansas, right, and that's why I think this game is so big. And it's not big about Auburn making a bowl game or anything. I don't think Auburn's going to make a bowl game. They could, but I don't think they're going to. But it signifies hope. It signifies, oh, there is a chance you can win and start Afghanistan. Oh, there is a chance that you can defend your home turf again and, and beat Texas A&M. Oh, and also Western Kentucky, you should win. All of a sudden, it does signify hope. But if you lose, especially if you lose bad, and I don't think they will lose bad, but if they do lose against Arkansas, it's just, okay, for the next four or five weeks, we're just going to be sitting around waiting for the season to end. And that stinks. That is the worst feeling in the world. I haven't really felt it since 2012, mm-hmm. and I never want to feel that again. 2012 is interesting because I think I think that there are there is a precedence for a football team starting out three and four in the SEC, and all of a sudden finding some things that work and coming together and playing better down the stretch and winning some games. So this would not be unheard of if Auburn did – because, you know, you've got three, very four, really, winnable games left on your schedule. So what happens if things do start to come together? There is a maturation process. Mm. I don't I don't see it, but it, but it could happen. It's happened before. For it to happen, though, you better win against Arkansas. Because I can remember in 2012, what was that guy's name, John Smith or whatever, that coached Arkansas that was came from Louisville, and he was Arkansas's interim coach. Sure. And they were they were terrible. And that was the game that people felt like, you know, Auburn could win and get an SEC win. And Arkansas boat raced Auburn that that day. And and you just felt everything happened as far as any life. And after that, it just got ugly, the A&M, Georgia, that kind of stuff. So I think think if that happens and if they beat Arkansas and they have some hope, it's not not like it hasn't happened before where you catch fire and win a couple games. But if you don't don't win – if you don't win against Arkansas, then I think all hope goes out. You're right. All, all hope is lost. And then, you know, I just feel like Auburn, you know, we, we're talking State of the Union, where they are to this point. We're looking back. I Also, looking forward, as we are at this point in the season in the bye week, I just feel like this is a five and seven football team. I do think there's a couple wins on the schedule left, and uh, but I think it's a five and seven football team. And if you lose to Arkansas. What, what are the other wins, Daryl? I'd say Arkansas. I say Arkansas and Western Kentucky. If you lose to Arkansas, I would change that to four and eight. I don't see where you get that other win. If you're not beating Arkansas at home, I don't see how you beat Mississippi State on the road, sure. beat Texas A&M. But I think you still could beat Western Kentucky. So if Auburn beats Arkansas Saturday, I think th- I think the floor is five and seven. The ceiling could be a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I guess the ceiling in theory is six and six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the the floor is you lose out. Yeah, I I I still think that they beat Western Kentucky even if they lose all the rest of their SEC games. But but don't I mean it, it's not like, about, they win. like the true floor though. Like they oh yeah, the true floor is you. I mean obviously yeah. I mean you could lose the rest of your games. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that would be terrible. Um, I'm a little surprised by something, Daryl, and mm-hmm. I want to touch on this in just a moment, right here on Locked On Auburn. Our partners at Nissan, they have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting playing from Auburn season so far. And I guess, Daryl, uh, the thrilling moment is the Missouri fumble in, in overtime that resulted yeah. Yeah. in a win. We were talking before we click record, like 
is it Tank's 50-yarder against Ole Miss? And like, no, I, I, I think it's the fumble because it resulted in a win. But this segment is inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Over the course of last week, Daryl, I've been surprised how many people are in agreement that Auburn should beat Arkansas. Mm-hmm. That it's just kind of taken me off guard because I think most of the Auburn fan base right now is in a situation where, and rightfully so, I'm not going to argue with it, where you know, there's a lot of pessimism among the fan base of like, you know, well, they should have beaten LSU. You know, they should have beaten Missouri by more. Really, I think you can make the argument they should have they they should have beaten Ole Miss if you really want to get down to it. Um, but just the execution hasn't been there and the full game plan hasn't been there. But a lot of people, myself included, are kind of just expecting it to come together when Arkansas comes to town this Saturday. And I'm just I'm a little surprised that most of us are in agreement on this. It, it depends on a couple factors. Obviously, a bye week is really a great time to get to get healthy and to get refocused. And, and a lot of teams come off bye weeks, play really, really well. Now, keep in mind, Arkansas is also right. coming off a bye week. So Auburn traditionally has done really well coming off bye weeks. You just think about injuries and bumps and bruises. You get people healthier. So I think that's the first reason why there's optimism. I think people are putting a little bit too much stock in what happened at Ole Miss because Ole Miss had a number nine next to its name as a ranking. It was on the road. I'd be surprised if Ole Miss didn't lose three more football games before it was all said and done and ended up being a, a nine and three, eight and four team. So at the end of the year, staying within two touchdowns of them on the road may not look like such a big accomplishment. And full I mean, transparency, we are recording this before Ole Miss plays LSU. So right, we, don't, we right. don't know how that looks. We don't know. So that's how we're, yeah. I mean, it, it could have already, I could I could look like Notre Dame and, and have predicted that already. Sure. Then you look at the LSU game and I think, you know, there's a lot of Auburn fans that say, really, Auburn should have won that game. You win that game, you're four and three. It looks a little bit different. Um, I think most people think that LSU, looking at their record and Auburn having had an opportunity to beat that LSU team, it's why there's probably some what I consider to be maybe a little bit of false optimism. But at the end of the day, Arkansas um, has some weaknesses that I think Auburn can expose. We feel like maybe, you know, Robbie – getting that shoulder 100% healthy, starting to do some things. Arkansas is really, really good. at they got the, the leading uh, sack guy, Sanders, in the league. They do a really good job of bringing pressure, but they also do a really poor job of giving up a lot of big plays. And if you're a statue in the pocket, that's bad news. But I think Robbie Ashford has had most success when the play breaks down and he has Coy Moore go downfield or he rolls out. If he can get away from that first initial containment, I think there's some big plays yeah. that could be had Saturday. And I think people see that, see Ashford starting to make some big plays, see Tank running like he did against you know, Ole Miss and sure. say Arkansas's run defense is there for the taking two. So th- those factors, I think, coming off a of bye week, getting a little healthier, seeing some, glim- some, some glimpses of some things are probably why – there's a little bit more optimism than we would have thought. And I think people also expected to get blown out at Ole Miss. I think if if we really give some people some truth serum and said, how do you think that game's going to go before it happened? I think most people would have thought Ole Miss defense was going to play better 
and Ole Miss offense was going to do what they did. So that game was a three or four score game instead of a two score game because Ole Miss defense just really wasn't what as advertised. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, our friends at Bet Online, I took Ole Miss minus fourteen and a half just because I thought it was going to be more than two touchdowns, and, and it wasn't. So, uh, yeah, and then on Friday on AuburnDaily.com, I wrote an article quoting John Samuel Shanker from his appearance on the pod earlier in the week about him talking up some of these young pass catchers, right? Omari Kelly, Jay Fair, Camden Brown's a guy that you love. And I want to see more of those guys incorporated into the offense, especially if it's like, okay, you don't know what the upside of this team is moving forward. You know, Maybe it gives you some pop because those three guys, I think, have a ton of upside. I think their upside is bigger than, you know, what Shedrick Jackson has left in the tank and Malcolm Johnson Jr. It sounds like he's been battling with some injuries and, you know, but he hasn't been the guy that we thought he would. I don't think that's all on him, but I think, I, I think Coy Moore has been outstanding when given the opportunity. Javaris Johnson, uh, maybe similar things to, to Malcolm Johnson Jr. there. So let some of these freshmen um, give them the opportunity to cook. I'd like to see that over the stretch of the season. That's why a bye week provide so much optimism. So what happens yeah. is you reevaluate what you do well and what you do poorly up to this point in the season. And you say, okay, this is what we do well. This is who has shown that they can make plays. We've got two weeks to implement and incorporate something. You don't completely throw everything away and change it, but you do tweak things, add things, take things out and adjust and say, well, we need to get the ball to this guy more, or we need to do this more, or this play was successful, we just didn't execute it. You have a yeah. chance to, to evaluate and really look at and say where we are year to date that didn't mm. work and does work, and now let's get two weeks to implement some of this stuff. Right. So that's why there's some hope that maybe they can look at film and say, oh, you know, this this is something that we need to try, and let's, let's throw some wrinkles in there. Yeah. You can change some things up, and maybe that's effective, uh, even if it's just – being going back to basics and starting an offensive line that's a little bit different that you came across by mistake and getting tank more carries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Okay, there's um, well, we can we can go ahead and do this. Uh, got a question from Wonder Beer mm -hmm. in the Locked On Auburn Discord. If you want to join the Locked On Auburn, uh, Locked On Auburn Discord, click the link in the episode description down below. Uh, he said, hypothetically, how much could it be hurting our defense to practice against our offense? I'm talking about masking deficiencies, not pushing linebackers to excel, et cetera, or is a lot of that covered through other drills? So I think some of us cover through other drills, and a lot of it's mental, right? A lot of that's done in film work. But yeah. I was talking to someone who would have knowledge of the everyday happenings of practice. I'll just leave it at that. And it sounds like most days, the offense and the defense go up against each other, and the defense just absolutely dominates. And then when it becomes time for the offense, like where they actually need the ball, they pull all the starters and they put backups in. So the offense can actually like effectively and successfully run plays, which is concerning, right? Yeah. Like that's not, that's not good, <laughs> but, mm -mm. um, so I, I, I don't know exactly how much that's hurting. Once again, I, I know the defense wasn't good against Ole Miss, but like, I just don't think, that's the issue. Um, and I think they had a bad game against Ole Miss, but I think that's the best offense they'll play until they go to Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl. 
So I, I don't know. I, I don't really think it's mattering that much there. I just think the offense is bad, and it's it's just not a whole lot you can do about it at this point of the year. Interesting thought, though, and great question, because what, what I get out of that, there's some validity to, is that if you're having a lot of success in practice and doing certain things and having your way, but because the offense is so anemic, when you try to do those same things against a better offense and a better opponent, you're getting stonewalled. So I think it does start to create false security, but then that goes away. That goes away real quickly in the second series when you go, okay, this is a whole different deal and we've got to adjust and do things differently. So, you know, when you when you face a force that's a little bit stronger that you've been seeing in practice, you should give more pushback. You should sure. do things differently. And maybe that's what Auburn's doing. But I think it's a valid point. I think to a certain extent, there's an overall, we feel really good about ourselves uh, because of what we're doing in practice against an offense that's less than stellar. And it gives you a false sense of security to make adjustments and to do things correctively yeah. that would that you're going to need to do against better offenses. Interesting point. And I think there's I think that that comes into play just like emotion. You know, your 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 peak peak emotion. You're going crazy until you get drilled on kickoff coverage, and then all that goes out the window, and it's execution and X's and O's and players. I think that's the same thing when you get a false sense of bravado in yeah. practice. But it's it's legitimate. I think I think initially, you know, that does. But but what you just said about pulling starters so that you can have success moving the ball. If, if there was a, a low light tape or one of those old VHS H tips tapes that they used to do for Auburn highlights a for the season. VHS tape. What is that? Yeah, you don't know about that. I had to watch that. Oh, I wore mine out in 1993. That perfect okay. season that that Auburn had watching it because there's no games on TV. Right. That that would be it. I mean, that's just you know the title is hey get the starters off the defense so we can move the ball. I mean that's just uh, that that's it in a microcosm. Yeah. My counterpoint to this, and I don't know how valid this is. It's a small sample size, but maybe the defense found success against LSU because Jane Daniels is just a more polished Robbie Ashford at times. Mm-hmm. So that's what they were used to seeing in practice. I don't know. Just a just a counterpoint for the sake of conversation and that's what's interesting because arkansas you know kj jefferson can be that dual threat guy different type of dual threat though different type of dual threat you're right and but they but the running back um leads the league in rushing so yeah that's scary right i mean when you see how auburn got gashed yeah last week and then you're facing the leading rusher in the sec um kj's not as good of a passer though as jackson dart i don't think Jackson Dart surprised me, too, with his running ability. I was very surprised at how he knew when to pull it and got yards, extra yards downfield. It was a sure. knack that he really surprised. I, I, if I was Auburn, on Auburn's defense, I don't know if they knew or prepared uh, what he could do as far as beating you with his legs, and, and he did. He had so, And that's why, let's be honest, they dropped four dimes on Auburn's defense running the football, but Jackson Dart had a, had a nice share of that too. It wasn't just running back. You're right. You're right. You're That's right. what happened with Auburn. When you remember in Auburn those golden golden days when Auburn used to drop 400 yards on people rushing. Nick Marshall had like 140 of that. Yeah, that <laughs> it was, was beautiful. Yeah, that was a fun time. We yeah, still fun. all talk about it. Absolutely. Good times. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Something interesting happened. Over the last uh, the last few days of the bye week, Daryl, I want to touch on this in just a moment. It's expected, but it's just new. 
and I like it. I'll tell you what I mean in just a second. Uh-huh. We're here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show brought to you by Sweatblock. Sweatblock is the best product for folks that struggle with sweating through their shirts all the time. We thought it was going to be cold last week. It was for some days, and then all of a sudden the sun comes out and it's hot. And if, if this is something you deal with, and Sweatblock deals with folks and helps folks like this all the time, you need to be sure to check out our friends at Sweatblock. Sweatblock was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. Um, Chris as one of their customers, a real customer review, said he suffered from excessive underarm sweat for 10 years and was so worried about sweating through his dress shirts that he stuck paper towels under his armpits to help <laughs> help his shirt last longer. And then he found sweat block and uh, it's changed his life. It, it can help your life as well. So be sure to check it out, sweatblock.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at sweatblock.com. They're also available at Amazon. Daryl, it was so fun. Every time I saw somebody that was either a listener of a show or a friend of mine out in public, they they wanted to they they started listing out like the starting five for Auburn basketball mm-hmm. and different types of lineups. And it's like, where could we see Chris Moore? Could Zepp Jasper play the three? Like so many fun conversations about this roster. And obviously, we've seen the culture and the excitement around this program change over the last several years, really since that Final Four run. But it's just cool. It's just cool to see um, the conversation about Auburn basketball gets earlier and earlier in the season every year under uh, under Bruce Pearl. Some of that, I'm sure, has to do with the football team not being as good as we thought. But still, yeah. um, it, it's fun to have those conversations in middle October. It's a fun roster um, when Westry comes back and is healthy. I was thinking about that, how, how they are so deep, too deep at every position. And I know there's there's some, you know, no roster is perfect, and every team in, that, that goes into SEC play has its flaws and has its warts. But when I look at this roster and the roster management that Bruce Pearl's put together, I know that there's the hand-wringing of, do we st- – still have a, a, don't have a shooter. Is there a shooter, someone that's a pure shooter? And understand this. Auburn's got scores, pure scores. Now, sure. how you score shouldn't really matter. I mean, KD Johnson, the way he goes to the daggum rack and, and scores and the, the mid-range stuff that they get, the floaters. I get it. You need, I think, in the tournament with the big backdrops and the cavernous arenas to advance in the tournament, you got to have guys that can stroke it. And I understand that. But Auburn's got scores that score the basketball. And you look at the depth with, with Broom and Cardwell and, and, and Trahar up front, and then, you know, the backcourt. You're going to be able to do a lot of unique things as far as don't, depth. Don't forget, don't forget Jalen Williams at the four as well. That's right, Jalen Williams. I totally did forget. And so you're right. And see, that's another – that just goes to show the depth. And I think that, that Auburn's going to be able to do some things – from a momentum chan- changing standpoint and from a lot – like looking at certain teams, and when you play certain teams, you go, well, this lineup will, will, will be a better fit against this five that they're putting on the floor. You don't have a lot of teams that have that luxury, and Bruce Pearl has that luxury to really adjust and do a lineup that's more conducive to what you're facing instead of just sticking – I now get it. I get it. There's going to be a lot. There's probably a you know a, a continuity of starting five, but if you're in a game and it's not going well and you want to switch it up and go smaller or go bigger or whatever, 
you have got the weapons to be able to do that. And the shooting will come. I, I think when Westry gets healthy, I saw enough of him, you know, what he did in Israel to think that that kid can stroke it. And don't, don't forget, guys mm-hmm. improve. Guys improve from year to year and become better shooters. It's not just something that you have to stay locked into a certain, you know, way of, of shooting the basketball. So it's exciting, and the roster management and the depth is going to be a lot of fun to watch as the season progresses. Right. Daryl, thank you so much for your time, as always, and we will get back to recapping games this upcoming Saturday, of course. Or, um, we'll record Saturday night, and it'll drop Sunday morning after Auburn takes on Arkansas. Talk to you then, buddy. Sounds good, man. Have a great week. Find all of uh, my written work at auburndaily.com, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.